Section 26 of Pantrophion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Pantrophion by Alexis Soyer. Pastry. The art of the pastry cook consists in preparing certain delicate and nice pastes in all sorts of shapes, in seasoning them with discretion and in sufficient quantity with meat, butter, sugar, preserves, etc. It is a most important branch of the culinary science, unceasingly occupied with flattering the sight as much as the taste. It raises graceful monuments, delicious fortresses, seductive ramparts, which, as soon as they are on all sides attacked, totter, crumble, and no longer present anything but glorious and ephemeral ruins, like every other work of man. All pass away whether they be temples, columns, pyramids, or pies this charming art was known to ancient nations as soon as their intellectual development had enabled them to understand a certain gastronomic truth long since become a trivial axiom and of which we dare scarcely remind the reader on ne mange pour vitre que lorsque on ne sait pas vitre pour manger people only eat to live when they do not understand how to live to eat the original nations were acquainted with the art of making pastry at a very early period the egyptians served many different sorts of cakes at their tables the jews knew of at least three kinds one sort kneaded with oil another fried in oil and the last was merely rubbed over with oil the enlightened gluttony of the greeks and romans inspired them with a host of combinations more or less ingenious and destined to revive a failing appetite or one already greatly compromised by vigorous onslaughts some of these pastries would appear very nice to us in the present day others we should think but little worthy of the epicure of rome and athens however let us not be in too great a hurry to condemn these great masters doubtless they had excellent reasons to like that which modern tastes may despise and dislike in return they might have thought some of our most fashionable dishes detestable perhaps apicius might have made a strange grimace at the sight of a dish of sauerkraut or an olopedra or an immense plum pudding opolis a light dainty for those who have weak stomachs were thin sheets of paste composed of flour and honey which rolled into a spiral form as soon as they approached the oven they were eaten soaked in cooked wine persons of taste preferred oblies to fritters a bold mixture of flour kneaded with wine seasoned with pepper 
and then worked up with milk and finally with a little fat or oil some cooks employed the finest flour only mixed with oil and served this paste after having cooked it in a dish others worked sesame flour in long time with honey and oil and fried it these various kinds of fritters were doubtless much sought after by the populace for cicero speaks of them with profound disdain the jews less dainty than the eloquent orator offered some of this paste in sacrifice the recipe for its composition is given in lefetus it was made of the finest flour moistened with oil and cooked in the frying pan women and children these two fragile roots of society were always fond of sweet and delicate cakes the pastry cooks of attica prepared for them some very excellent kinds sometimes it was merely a sweet mixture of honey and milk others were made of honey sesame flour and cheese or oil delicious fruit was frequently covered with a light and perfumed paste these athenian dumplings met with a great success rome made the conquest of these precious recipes and vanquished greece conquered by her had still the glory of dictating laws to her haughty enemy she imposed her cookery gingerbread was not unknown to the ancients rhodes owed its reputation to it it was sweetened with honey and that island furnished it to the whole of europe the greeks called this delicacy melitates and eat it with pleasure at the close of their repasts let us not forget in this rapid survey of ancient sweets that learned and exquisite mixture now designated under the name of nougat which among the greeks was composed of dried currants and almonds and which has lost none of its attractions nothing of its celebrity after so many centuries the muscatium did not deserve to occupy so high a standing and yet this rustic cake composed of sweet wine and flour a symbol of abundance and happiness never failed to be presented to the guests at a wedding repast and the newly married pair sent a piece of it to each of their absent parents or friends who in return addressed them congratulations and wishes for their happiness the muscatium was the wedding cake of the romans modern civilization has also rejected with equal disdain the savillium pie always eaten with pleasure by the voluptuous inhabitants of rome when they went to their villas in order to rest from their prodigious excesses and from the fatigues of intemperance this nourishing and agreeable dish required but little art in its composition half a pound of flour and two pounds and a half of cheese were well mixed together three ounces of honey and one egg were then added when the whole had been well beaten it was placed in an earthen vessel rubbed over with oil and which was covered with a tart dish cover it was carefully watched to see that the process of cooking was going on 
afterwards it was taken from the dish the pie was smeared with honey and for an instant replaced under the tart dish cover after having dredged the top with pounded poppy seed it was always served in the dish in which it had been cooked and was eaten with spoons we have already mentioned the artocress a kind of hashed meat mixed with bread which rome borrowed from greece together with its original name this pie welcomed by modern gastrophagy has reached our days with merely some slight modifications and deprived of its sonorous hellenic appellation formerly the roman emperors for the greater part ruled badly but in return they eat well in that gastronomic era gone never to return caesar's supper engaged the attention of the court the city nay the whole empire the conquered universe furnished the details for a banquet and a royal hand sometimes deigned to write the ordinance now and then even the monarch wrapped in profound culinary meditations long reflected dictated to his archimagurus a new dish on which complacent senators the next day bestowed enthusiastic praises and a sincere admiration thus the emperor verus inventor of a pie barely escaped an opetheus of which his genius was deemed worthy it is true that without an exaggerated flattery this pie was excellent and that never was there imagined a more happy mixture a more ingenious combination of meats or a more refined flavor if any one be curious enough to wish to test this imperial dish let him prepare a succulent amalgamation of a sow's flank sumen peasant peacock iced ham and wild boar's flesh let him enclose this mixture within the thick casing of a laboriously worked crust and he may attack this kingly dish when a gentle and slow cooking causes it to emit burning yet sweet emanations here is a more modest recipe for a cake but then it does not claim the paternity of an emperor however cato brought it much into fashion for the wise cato often busied himself in the science of cookery for which reasons he is greatly worthy of esteem well we recommend to the reader for the libium of that philosopher who indicates the manner of preparing it crush he says two pounds of cheese mix with it a pound of rye flour or in order to render it lighter throw in merely half a pound of wheat flour and an egg stir mix and work this paste form of it a cake which you will place on leaves and cook in a tart dish on the hot hearth this libium was much esteemed about twenty centuries ago in honor of cato may it again be brought to light if not completely unworthy of our attention could we not also rehabilitate the reputation 
of the most celebrated of ancient pies the placenta which so delighted mankind and by which the gods even allowed their fury to be appeased renowned writers have granted it the authority of their praise and the illustrious geopontist already cited describes with lengthened compliance the manner of preparing this important dish place on one side two pounds of rye flour which will serve to form the foundation on which must be placed biscuits formed of crisp paste on the other put four pounds of wheat and two pounds of alisa grains of fine wheat stripped of their husk and crushed to which was added in order to whiten them a peculiar kind of chalk found between naples and pozzoli this latter must be left to infuse in water and when well soaked it must be thrown into a kneading trough and well worked with the hand you then mix with it the four pounds of wheat flour in order to make the whole into biscuits or dry marchpans this paste must be worked in a basket and as it dries each separate marchpan must be shaped when they have acquired a convenient form rub them on all sides with a piece of stuff soaked in oil and the same must be done to the foundation of the placenta before placing the marchpans on it during these preparations make the hearth very hot as well as the cover of the tart dish intended to cook it then spread the two pounds of rye flour you have in reserve over fourteen pounds of cheese of sheep's milk make of this a light paste for the foundation already mentioned this cheese ought to be very fresh and previously soaked in three waters it is allowed to drain slowly between the hands and when it has been left to dry it is kneaded take a flour sieve and pass the cheese through it before mixing it with the rye then add four pounds and a half of good honey mix well place the foundation furnished with its band on a board a foot square covered with bay leaves rib rubbed with oil and form the placenta begin by covering the whole of the base with a layer of marchpans which you place one after the other and cover slightly with cheese mixed with honey finally you arrange the marchpans on the foundation and prepare the hearth to a moderate degree of heat place the placenta on it cover it with the tart dish cover already heated and spread live charcoal underneath and all around the cooking must be done very slowly and as soon as the pie is taken from the hearth it must be rubbed with honey the great desire we had to inform the reader of some of the methods of making ancient pastry will perhaps induce him to receive with indulgence the rather diffuse recipe of the worthy cato the following is much more concise it relates to the relishing globi little globes or balls eaten at dessert mix cheese and alicia 
and of this mixture make the globi which cook one after the other or two at a time in boiling oil stir them constantly with a spoon take them out rub them over with honey and serve having previously dredged over them a little poppy seed every one will confess that all these cakes are inferior to the simple and elegant pastry with which the inhabitants of Pisium, marshes of anconda regaled themselves they placed some alicia to soak in water and left it there for the space of nine days the tenth day they kneaded it and formed it into round flat cakes which they cooked in the oven in earthen baking dishes easily broken when these kind of biscuits were to be eaten they were first softened in milk and honey apicius also made globi of great delicacy with the crumb of fine bread shaped into balls which are left to soak in milk and which on their being withdrawn from the boiling oil he lightly covered with honey we conclude with three recipes from this amateur cook in the hope that they may appear worthy of his genius mix pine nuts pepper honey rue and cooked wine cover with eggs well beaten submit this mixture to a low fire and serve after having smeared it with honey cook the finest flour in some milk of which make a tolerably stiff paste spread it on a dish cut it into pieces which when you have fried in very fine oil cover with pepper and honey make a compact mixture of milk honey and eggs let it cook very slowly and serve after having sprinkled over it a little pepper these details will we hope give a sufficient idea of ancient pastry we must remember that these recipes form as it were the starting point the oil fritter of the hebrews and the meringues of our period are wide apart more than thirty-three centuries separate the two two thousand years have elapsed since cato wrote the recipe for his somewhat heavy tart the author of the culinary art apicius himself is very old the private life of the ancient people appears to be worthy of serious study but we too often only bestow it on our disdain the author of this work has observed their customs in the kitchen and in the dining-room the only places to which he had access and he has taken the liberty of writing the result of his investigations sometimes he admires but never does he despise a civilization different to our own but which was not without its good side he conjures the reader to believe him when he says that whatever eccentricities the gastronomy of ancient nations may present to us those people he has perhaps acquired the right to venture such an assertion doubtless eat in a very different manner from ourselves but they certainly knew how to eat 
the pastry just mentioned is certainly not altogether irreproachable that is clear but many kinds reveal that exquisite sentiment of the good which is nothing else than taste whether it relate to art literature or cooking and the entire development of which seems to have been the opportunance of a small number of privileged centuries great epochs such as those of percules augustus leo the twelfth louis the fourteenth and queen anne have seen roses and myrtles flourish by the side of the laurels with which the muses are crowned charles the twelfth was fond of tartlets frederick the second gave himself fits of indigestion by eating savoy cakes and the marshal de saxe rested from the fatigues of glory before a plate of macaroons we have renounced the kind of pastry with which our ancestors used to regale themselves in the fourteenth century their stag pies are no longer in vogue neither have we any taste for the great pies which contained a lamb or a stuffed kid surrounded with goslings by dozens and scores their tarts have fallen into the same oblivion who thinks now of their janus or double-faced tarts herb tarts rose-leaf tarts oat tarts or chestnut tarts the first statutes given to the pastry cooks by st louis may twelve seventy sanctioned their custom of working on all festival days without exception now the motive for such a toleration was probably this the pagans had their festivals which they passed in banqueting the romans called them dies epiculate the early christians although they gave up the worship of false gods preserved certain customs in which they had been brought up among which was that of public and private banquets on festival days we still see some remains of these customs in the village rejoicings on the continent on the day of their patron saint the fathers of the church and the councils raised their voices against this abuse but they were obliged to tolerate it and the pastry cooks who were very busy on those occasions profited by the indulgence it is as well to remark that they were at one and the same time publicans roasters that is they would roast anything for anybody and cooks under the ministry of the chancellor de hôpital little pies or patties were hawked through all the streets of paris and there was an enormous consumption of them the severe minister considered them a luxury which it was incumbent upon him to suppress so he prohibited not their sale but the crying of them as a temptation to gluttony there is a kind of cake much in vogue in england on good friday designated hot cross bun because it always marked with a cross the reader will perhaps take some interest in the observations of bryant 
on the subject of this pastry the offerings says he which people in ancient times used to present to the gods were generally purchased at the entrance of the temple especially every species of consecrated bread which was denominated accordingly one species of sacred bread which used to be offered to the gods was of great antiquity and called boon it was a kind of cake with a representation of two horns julius pollux mentions it after the same manner a sort of cake with horns diogenes laureus speaking of the same offering being made by empedocles describes the chief ingredients of which it was composed he offered one of the sacred libra called a bonce bonds which was made of fine flour and honey england seems then to have retained the name and the form of the ancient bonds though the people do not recognize in the bun anything sacred or holy titus livy said in speaking of rome the greatest things have small beginnings this applies equally to pastry which appears so unworthy of attention at the commencement of the middle ages that nothing seems to announce its high destiny at first in the southern provinces people simply mixed flour oil and honey the roman school was still in force the inhabitants of the north had a mind to innovate they employed eggs butter and salt then came the idea of enclosing within this paste cooked meat seasoned with bacon and spices and from progress to progress they at last enclosed cream fruit and marmalades we find pastry mentioned for the first time in a charter of louis debonair eight o two it is there said that a certain farm of the abbey of st denis is to furnish at certain festivals sixteen measures of honey eleven hundred oxen and five hogsheads of flour to make pastry a charter of the church of paris twelve hundred and two mentions chinels or wigs under the name of pain lev qui dicature echande joinville speaks in the life of st louis of cheese fritters cooked in the sun which the sacrans presented to that king and his knights when they restored them to liberty and finally so early as the thirteenth century the flans of chartres the patties of paris and the tarts of dorlans were in great renown and a charter of thirteen o one informs us that as the epoch several lords imposed on their vassals a tribute of fugues or puff pastry the cook of charles v says that the word tort signified a household loaf of a round form that this name was afterwards given to delicate pastry and that by corruption it was called tart in certain provinces Tallyvent speaks of cream almonds and rose-water 
as the accompaniments of darioles a kind of custard and of talmoses a sort of cheese cake made of cheese eggs and butter colored with the yolks of eggs platina cites tarts made with radishes quinces gourds elderberry flowers rice oatmeal millet chestnuts cherries dates may herbs roses and lastly the white or cream tart end of section twenty six recording by lindemarie nielsen vancouver b c